This is day 83 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Ezra chapters 8 through 10, and then we will go into Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2. Lord, Heavenly Father, humble our hearts today, bring us very low to recognize that we are not God. We are not sovereign. We are not autonomous. We are nothing. We are insignificant in the grand scheme of things, and our will matters little. Lord, please show us that your will is supreme in this universe, and that you desire for us to match up with your will. Great things happen when we do that. Lord, please humble us today. Please enlighten us with the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and the strength to do what is necessary to bring ourselves into submission to you. Please bless this time as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now these are the heads of their father's households and the genealogical enrollment of those who went up with me from Babylon in the reign of King Artaxerxes, of the sons of Phinehas, Gershom, of the sons of Ithamar, Daniel, of the sons of David, Hattush, of the sons of Shechaniah, who was of the sons of Parosh, Zechariah, and with him 150 males who were in the genealogical list, of the sons of Pahath-Moab, Eliahonai, the son of Zerahiah, and 200 males with him, of the sons of Zatu, Shechaniah, the son of Jahaziel, and 300 males with him, and of the sons of Adin, Abed, the son of Jonathan, and 50 males with him, and of the sons of Elam, Jeshiah, the son of Athaliah, and seventy males with him, and of the sons of Shephatiah, Zebediah, the son of Michael, and eighty males with him, of the sons of Joab, Obadiah, the son of Jehiel, and two hundred and eighteen males with him, and of the sons of Bani, Shelemith, the son of Josephiah, and one hundred and sixty males with him, and of the sons of Bebai, Zechariah, the son of Bebai, and twenty-eight males with him, and of the sons of Asgad, Yohanan, the son of Hakatan, and a hundred and ten males with him, and of the sons of Adonikam, the last ones, these being their names, Eliphalet, Jewel, and Shemaiah, and sixty males with them, and of the sons of Bigvi, Uthai, and Zabud, and seventy males with them. Now I assembled them at the river that runs to Ahava, where we camped for three days. Now I assembled them at the river that runs to Ahava, where we camped for three days. And when I observed the people and the priests, I did not find any Levites there. So I sent Eliezer, Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jarib, Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Meshulam, leading men, and for Joirib and Elnathan, teachers. I sent them to Edo, the leading man at the place Casiphia, and I told them what to do to Edo and his brothers, the temple servants at the place Casiphia, that is, to bring ministers to us for the house of our God. According to the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of insight of the sons of Mali, the son of Levi, the son of Israel, namely, 
Sherebiah, and his sons and brothers, eighteen men, and Hashabiah and Jeshiah of the sons of Merari, with his brothers and their sons, twenty men, and two hundred and twenty of the temple servants, whom David and the princes had given for the service of the Levites, all of them designated by name. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for us, our little ones, and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request from the king troops and horsemen to protect us from the enemy on the way, because we had said to the king, The hand of our God is favorably disposed to all those who seek him but his power and his anger are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and sought our God concerning this matter, and he listened to our entreaty. Then I set apart twelve of the leading priests, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and with them ten of their brothers. And I weighed out to them the silver, the gold, and the utensils, the offering for the house of our God, which the king and his counselors and his princes and all Israel present there had offered. Thus I weighed into their hands 650 talents of silver, and silver utensils worth 100 talents, and 100 gold talents, and 20 gold bowls worth 1,000 derricks, and two utensils of fine shiny bronze, precious as gold. Then I said to them, You are holy to the Lord, and all the utensils are holy, and the silver and the gold are a free will offering to the Lord God of our fathers. Watch and keep them until you weigh them before the leading priests, the Levites and the heads of the fathers' households of Israel at Jerusalem, in the chambers of the house of the Lord. So the priests and the Levites accepted the weighed-out silver and gold into their hands to bring them to Jerusalem to the house of our God. Then we journeyed from the river Ahava on the twelfth of the first month to go to Jerusalem, and the hand of our God was over us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and the ambushes by the way. Thus we came to Jerusalem and remained there three days. On the fourth day, the silver and the gold and the utensils were weighed out in the house of our God into the hand of Merimoth, the son of Uriah the priest. And with him was Eleazar, the son of Phinehas. And with them were the Levites, Josabad, the son of Jeshua, and Noadiah, the son of Benui. Everything was numbered and weighed, and all the weight was recorded at that time. The exiles who had come from the captivity offered burnt offerings to the God of Israel, twelve bulls for all Israel, ninety-six rams, seventy-seven lambs, twelve male goats for a sin offering, all as a burnt offering to the Lord. Then they delivered the king's edicts to the king's satraps and to the governors in the provinces beyond the river and they supported the people and the house of God. Now when these things had been completed, the princes approached me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites 
have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands, according to their abominations, those of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy race has intermingled with the peoples of the lands. Indeed, the hands of the princes and the rulers have been foremost in this unfaithfulness. When I heard about this matter, I tore my garment and my robe, and pulled some of the hair from my head and my beard, and sat down appalled. Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel on account of the unfaithfulness of the exiles gathered to me, and I sat appalled upon the evening offering. But at the evening offering I arose from my humiliation, even with my garment and my robe torn, and I fell on my knees and stretched out my hands to the Lord my God. And I said, O oh my God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift up my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen above our heads, and our guilt has grown even to the heavens. Since the days of our fathers to this day, we have been in great guilt, and on account of our iniquities, we, our kings and our priests, have been given into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, and to plunder, and to open shame, as it is this day. But now, for a brief moment, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us an escaped remnant and to give us a peg in this holy place, that our God may enlighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our bondage. For we are slaves, yet in our bondage our God has not forsaken us, but has extended loving kindness to us in the sight of the kings of Persia, to give us reviving, to raise up the house of our God, to restore its ruins, and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Now, our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you have commanded by your servants the prophets, saying, The land which you are entering to possess is an unclean land, with the uncleanness of the peoples of the lands, with their abominations which have filled it from end to end, and with their impurity. So now, do not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters to your sons, and never seek their peace or their prosperity, that you may be strong and eat the good things of the land, and leave it as an inheritance to your sons forever. After all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and our great guilt, since you, our God, have requited us less than our iniquities deserve, and have given us an escaped remnant as this, shall we again break your commandments and intermarry with the peoples who commit these abominations? Would you not be angry with us to the point of destruction until there is no remnant nor any who escape? O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous, for we have been left an escaped remnant 
as it is this day. Behold, we are before you in our guilt, for no one can stand before you because of this. Now while Ezra was praying and making confession, weeping and prostrating himself before the house of God, a very large assembly, men, women, and children, gathered to him from Israel, for the people wept bitterly. Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. So now let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and their children, according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter is your responsibility, but we will be with you. Be courageous and act. Then Ezra rose and made the leading priests, the Levites, and all Israel take oath that they would do according to this proposal. So they took the oath. Then Ezra rose from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Jehohanan, the son of Eliashib. Although he went there, he did not eat bread nor drink water, for he was mourning over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. They made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the exiles, that they should assemble at Jerusalem, and that whoever would not come within three days, according to the counsel of the leaders and the elders, all his possessions should be forfeited, and he himself excluded from the assembly of the exiles. So all the men of Judah and Benjamin assembled at Jerusalem within the three days. It was the ninth month on the twentieth of the month, and all the people sat in the open square before the house of God, trembling because of this matter and the heavy rain. Then Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have been unfaithful and have married foreign wives, adding to the guilt of Israel. Now therefore make confession to the Lord God of your fathers, and do his will, and separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives. Then all the people replied with a loud voice, That's right. As you have said, so it is our duty to do. But there are many people. It is the rainy season, and we are not able to stand in the open. Nor can the task be done in one or two days, for we have transgressed greatly in this matter. Let our leaders represent the whole assembly, and let all those in our cities who have married foreign wives come at appointed times, together with the elders and judges of each city, until the fierce anger of our God on account of this matter is turned away from us. Only Jonathan, the son of Asahel, and Jazeiah, the son of Tikvah, opposed this with Meshulam and Shabbatai, the Levite, supporting them. But the exiles did so. And Ezra, the priest, selected men who were heads of fathers' households for each of their fathers' households, all of them by name. 
So they convened on the first day of the tenth month to investigate the matter. They finished investigating all the men who had married foreign wives by the first day of the first month. Among the sons of the priests who had married foreign wives were found of the sons of Jeshua, the son of Josedach, and his brothers, Maasiah, Eliezer, Jareb, and Gedaliah. They pledged to put away their wives, and being guilty, they offered a ram of the flock for their offense. Of the sons of Immer, there were Hanani and Zebediah. And of the sons of Harim, Maasiah, Elijah, Shemaiah, Jehiel, and Uzziah. And of the sons of Pashur, Eli Oanai, Maasiah, Ishmael, Nethanel, Josabad, and Elasa. Of Levites, there were Josabad, Shimei, Kiliah, that is Kilita, Pethahiah, Judah, and Eliezer. Of the singers, there was Eliashib, and of the gatekeepers, Shalom, Telem, and Uri. Of Israel, of the sons of Parosh, there were Ramiah, Iziah, Malkijah, Mijamin, Eliezer, Malkijah, and Benaiah. And of the sons of Elam, Mataniah, Zechariah, Jehiel, Abdi, Jeremoth, and Elijah. And of the sons of Zatu, Elioni, Eliashib, Mataniah, Jeremoth, Zabad, and Azizah. And of the sons of Bibai, Jehohanan, Hananiah, Zabai, and Athlai. And of the sons of Bani, Meshulam, Maluk, and Adiah, Jashub, Sheel, and Jeremoth. And of the sons of Pahath Moab, Adna, Chalal, Benaiah, Maasiah, Mataniah, Bezalel, Benui, and Manasseh. And of the sons of Harim, Eliezer, Ishijah, Malkijah, Shemaiah, Shimeon, Benjamin, Maluk, and Shemariah. Of the sons of Hashum, Matanai, Matata, Zabad, Eliphalet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, and Shimei. Of the sons of Bani, Maadiah, Amram, Uel, Beniah, Bediah, Cheluhi, Veniah, Merimoth, Eliashib, Mataniah, Matanai, Jasu, Bani, Benui, Shimei, Shelemiah, Nathan, Adiah, Machnadabai, Shashai, Sharai, Azarel, Shelemiah, Shemariah, Shalom, Amariah, and Joseph. Of the sons of Nebo, there were Jael, Matatiah, Zabad, Zabina, Jedai, Joel, and Benaiah. All these had married foreign wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. The words of Nehemiah, the son of 
Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month Chislev, in the twentieth year, while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity, and about Jerusalem. They said to me, The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances, which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name, and make your servant successful today, and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cup-bearer to the king. And it came about in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? Then the king said to me, What would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I said to the king, If it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, 
If it please the king, let letters be given me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, and for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them to me, because the good hand of my God was on me. Then I came to the governors of the provinces beyond the river, and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem, and there was no animal with me except the animal on which I was riding. So I went out at night by the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well, and on to the refuse gate, inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, which were consumed by fire. Then I passed on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was no place for my mounts to pass. So I went up at night by the ravine and inspected the wall. Then I entered the valley gate again and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done, nor had I as yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the rest who did the work. Then I said to them, You see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, so that we will no longer be a reproach. I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me, and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, Let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard it, they mocked us and despised us and said, What is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven will give us success. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. For you have no portion, right or memorial, in Jerusalem. So we just zoomed through Ezra, but here we are ending Ezra and going into Nehemiah. But just to backtrack a little bit on Ezra, a couple of things to note here. So we know that Ezra was a very devout, righteous man, certainly. And he wanted to do everything according to the law of Moses, and he was very strict in that way. So much so that when it came down to chapter 9 and looking to bring back the true revival of Jerusalem, then it came to his attention that 
there had been intermarriage between the Jewish people and the nations surrounding them that the law specifically said not to do. And when Ezra found out about that, he was very upset. How did he respond? He he shows how he did here. When I heard about this matter, going to verse 3, I tore my garment and my robe. I even pulled out some of the hair from my head and my beard and sat down appalled. Wow. That is some shame right there. That is some shame on behalf of the people. To the point where you're pulling your hair out. It's so offensive to you. So then he gives a very beautiful prayer to the Lord and how he is confessing the sins of Israel. And you were going to see Nehemiah do the exact same thing. But this is good signs. These are really good signs that things are starting to look up because you have people like Ezra who are willing to say what needs to be said. And there's something very special about confession, right? We Confession is an essential part of our relationship with God. We definitely need to practice that more often. And that requires a level of humility, does it not? To admit that you're wrong. To admit that you have done something in offense to God. It is. But it is required because it puts you in the right posture of heart. To humble yourself before the Lord and show Him how you have been messing up. That is proper. And you see God answer him favorably through what happened the rest of the time. But he knew that he wanted to abate the Lord's anger. And it had to do with this, that the intermarriage. This is directly tied to the people of the Jewish community. To the people of Israel in this day and age. This doesn't necessarily apply to us because we're not Jews. Or Gentiles. But the one thing to note here is that the one kind of intermarriage that we could participate in is what we call today missionary dating, or later you're going to see in other parts of the Bible where an, a believer marries an unbeliever. In a way, they are attributing that other person to being the daughter of another god. Because if we worship the true Lord, God of heaven, and they are an unbeliever, who do they worship? They don't worship God. They worship themselves, or they worship Satan, or they worship some sort of idolatry, right? So, in a way, that is also the kind of unfaithfulness that Ezra is dealing with here in our day and age. So that's why I highly recommend that if you're looking to marry somebody, they need to be saved. It will go best for you. Doesn't mean it's impossible. No, but God has it designed this way on purpose because he does not want his people to be, as it says elsewhere, unequally yoked. They don't want to be one is carrying the other, one is the prophet for the other. And the worst, and of course you want to save that spouse that you're going to marry, but it's not up to you. Salvation is not up to you, no matter how much you try. It's up to the Lord in His timing. So it's a lot, it's very risky. It is very risky to marry someone who is not saved. So 
I would caution you not to do that. And it was so serious for them that they wrote down 113 names of people who had done this. And it is on a permanent record in the Bible. We should take this seriously as well. And then you see Nehemiah. Nehemiah came sometime afterward. Ezra had been there for quite some time. So it, this isn't around the same time period exactly as when Ezra went. So we're talking, you know, probably about 15, 20 years or so after Ezra went to Jerusalem. Nehemiah is apparently, as we see here, cupbearer to the king. So what was that? That was somebody who tasted all the king's drinks before he took a sip of it, just to make sure it wasn't poisoned. So, and if it was poisoned, the cupbearer died, but not the king. So that was a very important job. And that person was very close to the king. This was a very special job. I mean, the king can't drink anything without this guy's permission, right? So he had direct access to the king. He had a close relationship with him. And he was trusted. You could not take this job if you were a liar or you were not someone who was trustworthy. So this person, Nehemiah, was very trustworthy, and he was a Jew. And they were talking about Jerusalem and how the people that are there are suffering and they're really having some struggles. And God puts it on his heart to go to Jerusalem himself. So he, he, gives, a, he gives a great prayer to the Lord about you know, giving him praise, but also showing just how messed up we are. And again, it is so good to have this confession. So then he goes to the king, and the king lets him go. But not only that, but gives him military, gives him resources, safe passage, you name it. He got all of it. And he was able to go to Jerusalem. Now, the thing is, is he didn't tell anybody why he was really there. He wanted to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But he didn't tell anybody at the time. And there was already a couple people who made themselves known that they were against everything that this man was doing. We see them by name. Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite. They were completely against anything. You say it from the very beginning here. Chapter 2, verse 10. When they heard about it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the Israelites. Uh-oh, somebody's trying to help them. So... We're going to make their life as difficult as possible. So the first order of business when Nehemiah gets there, he does a survey. He does an inspection of all the walls, see how much work he has to do. And then he approaches the people and tells them what his plan is. And because it was ordained by God, they were united in their efforts to begin building the walls. And we're going to see over the course of the next couple of days how that goes, if they were successful or not. We are going to spend some time with Nehemiah for the next couple of days and see how his story pans out. But that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.